After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to After These Messages, the podcast all about television commercials. We talk about the good ones, the bad ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. Holy nostrils, that smells so nice. (laughs) My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. We are your hosts. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. You did all the work this week. I don't even know what's coming. I know that this (laughs) this week our show is dedicated 100% to the Ad Council, right? That's right, and since I am uh, the mistress of the Ad Council, which sounds... Uh, That's, we need a better title. Not quite what I intended it to sound like. Uh, I did all the work. All right. Well, thank you for doing all the work. So I know people have been uh, emailing us, tweeting us, Facebooking us, even calling us, possibly. I don't know if we have any voicemails that we'll get to. Like I said, I didn't do my homework. And so we're going to uh, we're gonna go through. Now, uh, is a lot of this uh, stuff that is referencing back to stuff we talked about? Or are we going to get, get some, some new material in here? What's up? For the most part, is people responding to things that uh, we've talked about or... Um, Letting us know about news of news of advertising, which I'll get to oh, in good. a minute. I think there might be one or two uh, just kind of out of the blue suggestions. But uh, I'm excited to start by talking about something that a couple of listeners sent us. Um, thank you to listeners Taylor and Micah. Who Taylor! Both, yes, uh, Taylor, uh, who is, uh, some of you might remember, did an amazing promo for us on... Um, uh, what is it? The Big the, Listen? Yeah, WAMU's uh, show. Uh, I think it's a podcast about podcasts. It's a, podcast, it's yeah. a broadcast about podcasts. I always think I of Taylor as like the listener that's too good for us. Yes, her and Kat Solon. Yes, both of them. I'm sure, and I'm sure many, I'm sure many, many others of you are, as well. are too good for us as well. <laughs> but Taylor and, and Micah both reached out uh, uh, either on on. Face, or sorry, on Twitter or in, in uh, email to tell us about something that's happening in the ad world. Um, for those of you uh, who are adults, I guess, you'll remember the guy who was... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just got titillated for a second. Is this an adult conversation? No, it's just, it's just it. for people who are of age. <laughs> uh, you'll remember the um, the Verizon pitch man of, your, of yesteryear. Um, he was the can you hear me now guy. Ugh, yeah. Um, it was ubiquitous. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I made that noise. That's just only because it was so ubiquitous. It was a obviously very successful. The fact that it became such a kind of annoying presence in our lives, it means they saturated the market and people. It became a cultural phenomenon. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So this the actor who who played him was a guy named Paul Marcarelli. Um, he was you know just a working actor in New York. Tried out for it. Got this you know got this gig and as we've talked about before then became indelibly associated with yeah. it because they just ran a million of those spots and he became and he had a real distinctive look you know he was like a uh had this like horn rimmed or sort of uh, like buddy holly style glasses um you know he just had a, he had a very distinctive look and he had a very distinctive catchphrase um so cut to uh this week at the uh sunday at the nba finals and Sprint, a competitor of Verizon, aired this ad. Hey, I'm Paul, and I used to ask if you could hear me now with Verizon. Not anymore. I'm with Sprint now, because guess what? It's 2016, and every network is great. In fact, Sprint's reliability is now within 1% of Verizon. And Sprint saves you 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile rates. So I switched to Sprint, and millions more have too. Can you hear that? 
Don't let a 1% mm. difference cost you twice Switch as much. Switch teams, huh, Paul? He, sw- <laughs> he switched teams. Um, I, I have so much to say about this story. Um, and I'll start by saying that uh, thank you. I think it was, I, I, I can't remember now if it was uh, Mike or Taylor, but one of somebody or maybe both of them sent us an ad week story about this. I mean, this was mm-hmm. enough of a finger in the eye of Verizon that it got some coverage. And of course. Um, yeah. and, I, and it's great. And, you know, he's, he's, he's older, you know, he's however many years older now, probably 10, 10 years older than when he first started doing those Verizon ads. But he's recognizable. He's got the glasses. He's wearing a sprint yellow t shirt. Um, as I think I've said earlier, the only way I can recognize the phone companies now is by their signature color. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and speaking of, and I know that you have a lot to say on this. I hope I'm not stepping on your toes too much. But in this ad, did I hear that right? Did he even say that, like, basically, okay, I'm going to get this confused. He's now the Sprint guy. He used to be the Verizon guy. Did he basically say for the product he's hawking Sprint that we're almost as good as Verizon? Yes. I think that's super interesting, and I do want to talk about that. Okay. It's, so he the, the pitch that Sprint is making, and, and actually has been making – um, this is, Sprint is the one, uh, the company that you you see people like going to town on their bills, slicing them oh, yeah, literally those. in half yeah. with various implements of distraction. Yeah. Um, Sprint's big pitch to the marketplace is not that we're the best, but we're the cheapest. Oh. And I think this is a really interesting strategy they've gone with where he's saying basically, or Sprint is saying basically, um, yeah, Verizon may have some technical claim to having the better or more expansive or faster or whatever like metric you want to use better network Mm -hmm. and better coverage but the differences are so minute and and i mean you know like we're on t-mobile i've been a sprint customer like you know you can make a phone call or or get your data most places if you Mm -hmm. live in a city i find different you know you'll have a little dead spot for different companies i did happen to notice this weekend like I don't know if it was a dead spot or some sort of weird outage, but my phone for um, in, in this one area I was traveling, I couldn't um, send text messages for right. like an evening. But then the next night, me and my buddy Luke were in a different we were uh, in a different location, and then his phone had no service, and so we were relying on my phone for it. And we have different companies, of course. And frankly, God only knows if it's your phone, if it's the hardware, mm-hmm. if it's the software, if it's uh, if it's the network, if it's the mo- the network in that moment in time, if it's like peak usage. I mean, there's so many variables that I think, I think that Sprint is smart to highlight the fact that you really don't have an appreciable experiential difference between their network and somebody else and any other major carrier. Short circuit. I think that's smart. Go like, I think we're all a little exhausted by the maps. And then I think the the balls might've been peak kind of technical coverage, (laughs) right? Right. Because does anyone, did anyone understand what the balls referred to? I mean, the the fact that there were so many ball commercials has only clouded the issue, which was, which was the whole point. I mean, I can't remember who I'll, if I guess I'll be wrong. Cause like you say, I get them all confused, but like there was one company, that started it. I think, I think it, it was Verizon. Verizon. They're like, oh, here are all the balls and blah, blah. We have better coverage and speeds or whatever. And then supposedly uncoordinated, the two rivals both came up with kind of parody or let's say mocking ads of that same thing. They both hit the um, the, the the two new ones, hit the air the same football weekend. So, so suddenly, boom, there were three ads and these other two companies were able to just like kind of nullify the first one, but just everybody just muddying the waters yeah. of like... Of, just kick up enough like, dirt. What the fuck is 4G? I don't know. Yeah, no I one knows. Care. No one. It's made up. It's a fact. Science doesn't no know No one knows. <laughs> Science may never know what 4G <laughs> refers to. Um, but, you know, I've, I've ranted about how annoying I find all the technical specs of phone commercials uh, before. 
but I think they're smart to, you know what I do understand? <laughs> my, my phone bill is $200 yeah. a month. And right. It's killing us. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that is an interesting tack on that. Were, were there other uh, points as far as the, this particular campaign is concerned? Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up something else about this guy um, that I think is interesting and that Adweek touches on here. And I, I think I actually vaguely remember this. Back in 2011, Paul Marcarelli was, I think, either, I think he had just finished his contract with Verizon and side note they apparently fired him by email after all that time and all that work like they just they, they fired they kind of probably sent him an email saying we're not re- renewing we're not renew- your contract yeah or whatever yeah. you know we're not going to huh, re wow. the campaign but still have a little class Verizon yeah. but what I thought was so interesting about that Atlantic article um, and I, I didn't print out the whole thing but I, I printed a couple Adweek or Atlantic Atlantic so Ad- oh. Adweek is covering this new piece oh, this, okay. this, uh, or this new sprint pitch but the Atlantic back in five years ago did a little profile of him, the man, the actor, Paul Marcarelli, and what it was like to become I just completely indistinguishable from the character that he plays in an ad. I always think of that great, like for those of you uh, who've ever watched Party Down, if you haven't, stop the podcast, go watch it. <laughs> um, the main character who's played by Adam Scott is a sort of recovering actor who had a an early bit of success in exactly the same way. He was a the spokesman for a beer company, and he had a catchphrase. You want to? Will you play yeah, that yeah, catchphrase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, sh- and we should also say this is um, J.K. Simmons is the, another guy, a voice you're going to hear in this, right? Yeah, he's the one that you hear immediately after uh, Adam Scott. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> Right? From those commercials? Beer commercials. Right? <laughs> and so, and and in the show, a running joke, or I don't know if it's a joke, but the running, the running tragedy of his life is that everywhere he goes, this basically anonymous caterer guy, <laughs> he's recognized by people for this one catchphrase, one little role that he played for a beer commercial. And the same thing basically happened to Paul Marcarelli. Really? People were, can you hear me? Oh, can oh, you hear me next? He said oh, it was constant. Oh, it sounds like hell. Um, and he, he was harassed. He also happens to be a gay man. And he was like, um, you know, sort of like harassed on the street uh, because he was so recognizable. Mm-hmm. And like he was sort of bullied and, and uh, uh, gay bashed. Um, even at a cousin, this is from that Atlantic article, Atlantic Profile, uh, at his cousin's wedding, he wore the grayest of gray suits, but still wound up feeling like, um, and he uses the word acaphone, I don't know if that's pronounced right, mm. which is Italian for oaf, when mm. more people lined up to take, his pic- take pictures with him than with the bride. Oh, man. So, first of all, his cousin's friends are dipshits yeah, right. and jerks. Uh, but anyway, a few months ago, this is back in 2011... Uh, he attended his grandmother's funeral. As her body was being lowered into the ground, he heard the hushed voice of a family friend. Can you hear me now? Oh, my God. His family needs to get a better class of friends. No kidding. First of all. Wow. So anyway, I just thought it was so interesting. So he had a really kind of bad experience with Verizon. Um, the contract was extremely draconian. It really prevented him from doing any almost any other work. Mm. He had to like negotiate just to be able to promote his own like community plays and theater that he was taking part in. Um, they they really wanted to lock him down because they really wanted him to be associated yeah. exclusively with their brand, and they really they that's what happened. So it, it, I think it it kind of like uh, had a chilling effect on his career in the long term. So it's I think not. Um, 
I don't think it's entirely business that he's now shilling for Sprint right, because I yeah. think there is a little bit of a fuck you to yeah, Verizon in his sense. doing this. He seems like you you should go watch the commercial. We'll of course post it to our Facebook page. Um, he seems a little satisfied to be like right give, sticking it to Verizon. Right, you know? right. I could see. I mean, it makes so much sense that it works out that way, huh? Because you are a company. You're like, okay, what we're going to do is our plan is to really make this the the. I mean, it's kind of like flow, even yeah. though even though they have progressive also has some other campaigns as well that we talked about. Flow is just like so recognizable. You want to make sure that Flow is not also hosting her own uh, TV show like Kimmy Schmidt or something like that. So then it's, you kind of lose the impact. Right. Of like, you see that face you think of one thing and you think of progressive and i happen to love those ads so you you understand from a company's point of view why they they have draconian contracts like that and you understand from a the perspective of somebody who you know is trying to break into the business while you sign a contract like that you know what i mean paul what's his last name again i think it's marcarelli marcarelli you know i'm sure he's just kind of like oh my god this is great you know i've done I'm a sure the money was great yeah now i'm gonna get like they really like me they really want me to the face of this thing this sounds great of course i'll sign it i'm not turning down tons of other work right now anyway and then of course one thing feeds the other by virtue of being in this campaign suddenly you're a recognizable face more people maybe want to give you work but then you can't yeah he talks about being a struggling young actor before he got the verizon campaign he lived with um two other people in like a one-bedroom apartment in new york somewhere um you know they're they're broke and struggling and, and they were all actors and they had a little bell, like a little, I guess, like a little library, a little like desk bell. Mm-hmm. And anytime one of their, you know, because they were all doing commercial work, anytime one of their commercials would come on TV, they would ring the bell in the house because <laughs> they're like, we're going to get some money right, to pay yeah. our rent. Yeah, that's great. Um, I really like that. Then all of a sudden he blows up and so yeah. they have to start buying new bells because they're wearing them out. I'm sure. Can you imagine? I just realized we're, um, not not to, to cut this off, I realize we're almost a quarter way through the show and we're still on the first email. Do we have more to hit on with yeah, this Yeah, actually, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you take us into to the form that was a little bit of a, a digression just okay. because it was kind of an interesting story that happened to hit this week but let's uh let's go do some actual ad council everybody's talking at me i don't hear words saying only the echoes of my mind so what's up next well, um, I was, we'll just so as as we've said, um, I, despite the little digression at the beginning, this is all about the ad council, all the awesome feedback we get, and and even now I, we're not getting to everything, but I'm going to try to go quickly through a lot of these because we got so much good uh, feedback from people over the uh, over the last few weeks. Um, so I'll start with listener Dawn. Um, this was something that she posted. And this is actually kind of out of the blue, although it sort of relates back to some of the scary PSAs we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote in, do you remember the Mr. Yuck stickers? The idea was that parents would mark items around the house with stickers to prevent uh, us, meaning kids, from eating the kitchen cleaner, for example. And she says it worked in, in our house. So I just like this one because the Mr. Yuck song is uh, is pretty adorable. This does not ring a bell to me at all. It, it didn't really ring a bell for me either, although I think it's it may have been kind of a local or regional thing. But I, I can imagine that plenty of uh, plenty of cities and, and regions and stuff did stuff like this similarly to keep kids away from poison. Can I just say that I, I like this. I haven't done any of this. I haven't seen any of these. I'm watching them all cold for the first time. Can we just have you do all the work every week? And it'll mm-hmm. be like, it'll be fun for the listener because I can, you know, be surprised and everything. It'll be fun for me because I don't have to work. But it, will it be fun for me? And it'll be fun for you because you can, you you will take joy in my joy. Will I? <laughs> okay, let's listen to this Mr. Yuck commercial. I like it already. 
is me. Mr. Yuck is green. Home is full of lots of things that children shouldn't touch. Home is full of bad things that can hurt you very much. Now there's a man whose face is green that you ought to get to know. He'll warn you when danger's coming fast or slow. Get to know his face in every single place. When you see it, you'll know quick. Things mark yuck, make you sick, 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 sick. Mr. Yuck is me. Mr. Yuck is green. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so interesting. So they gave out these stickers to parents, and then they put the, the stickers all over the stuff they don't want their kids to, um, to, or they want their kids to be careful of or to avoid or whatever. But, you know, you talked about the chemicals, but you also saw like you know like electrical outlets and yeah, stuff. Yeah, what you're and- seeing is like a little cartoon, um, you know, sort of. Uh, this looks like Saturday morning cartoons yeah, type yeah. of drawings of kids like going in the medicine cabinet and seeing the Mr. Yuck sticker, going, uh, you know, in under the kitchen sink and seeing it and like knives and matches and anything that like could be dangerous for a kid. I'm going to open my mouth here and I feel like I don't know exactly what I'm getting at. So that never works out well. But there's something interesting about, you know, I mean, you have the maybe somewhat more paranoid parts of our population who are really concerned about the brainwashing powers of television and stuff like that. Maybe I'm thinking about this because I'm reading 1984 right now for the first time. I've never read it before. You ever read that? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I never read it before. So, you know, you you can, of course, go to this dystopic, literally Orwellian kind of future where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, everything is just on screens and they're programming information into you or whatever. And obviously, I don't really think that's exactly how it works. But here we have a podcast which is all about influencing people. In the way that we do use screens to influence people. And then you have an instance like this, which is it's harnessing that for the power of good, but it is literally saying, hey, parents, we are going to program your children. We're going to start the sticker campaign and it's going to help children. But in order for that sticker campaign to work, we now have to have this televised component in which we jam- like really pound it into their heads. And like you said, we see this, this you know, kind of 70s, 60s psychedelic cartoon of these kids. Um, you know, going under the sink and seeing these stickers. But what you see a lot in between those scenes are they just keep showing the sticker over and over. And there's a scene where the stickers kind of becomes a hundred stickers. And it's just like, you're just, it's just such blatant brain programming. I mean, it's good, but it's interesting. But when you, and then I think uh, when the, when the brain programming is like buy more GI Joe figurines or whatever, any, any parent or person might uh, make, it might give you pause. But ultimately, not to get too into semiotics here, but <laughs> like ultimately everything that we that we understand in the world is about is about signifiers, right? I mean, what's a stop sign? Like how did mm-hmm. you we see a stop sign, we've been programmed to the same yeah. degree to do what the stop sign says. Sure, I mean, every yeah. everything is about symbols and what they represent and like how we translate those symbols into meaningful uh, you know, thoughts or actions. I know. Okay. And I think I've mentioned this to you on the show before, and we, we do have to move on. And I, I guess I'm just repeating myself, but no, it, you don't want more semiotics. Talk? It, it's interesting for me to see it in practice. And I can't remember if I was talking to you about this on the podcast or not, but I, it just struck me the other day when I was walking through an airport or something and I saw a kid sneeze and the kid or cough rather, I think. And the kid did the thing that all kids are supposed to do now, which is you, 
chicken wing. You chicken wing. You put your face into the crook of your elbow, like, and and you and you cough or you sneeze that way. I we just didn't do that growing up. We grew up putting our hands in front of our, our face, dirty. And at some hands. point, the government said. No, actually, there's a health campaign. It's better if you do it this other way. And so we just programmed everybody that way. And now both children, like those children, they never, they're not even thinking about it. For me, when I see a kid sneeze or cough into their elbow, it still seems a little bit odd to me. But do you to not them, do it? No, no. Oh, I reprogrammed myself. That's interesting. It's still always President out Obama to me. told me to. I know it's just so interesting that the government really can make these make these programs and and through going into schools, putting stuff on the TV, and then having some sort of maybe a sticker or something like that. They they can really program to do things. And I mean, hey, listen, I'm not some big government conspiracy theorist. I trust the government, so like I'm not trying to be a, a weirdo about this. But it really is interesting that. The power is there and it works. Yeah. I mean, Alex Jones couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right. I'm I, just being, I told I love, you I didn't know what I was getting at when I No, I, I mean, you're, you're both right, but also like. No doy. No doy. <laughs> right. I do love uh, just total sidebar. I, we have an upstairs neighbor and um, they have a, a little daughter. And I, every time uh, she coughs or sneezes, the mom or dad says chicken wing. Oh, that's where, that's where I heard that. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, all right. I love that one. Who sent that one? Do you remember? Uh, listener Dawn. Dawn, yeah. Thank Thanks, you so Dawn. much, That's Listener cool. Dawn. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, listener Will sent in another office space commercial. If you remember a few weeks yeah. ago, we talked about workplace commercials. Um, and he says, I can't believe you all left out this great office commercial series. I think about these some days at work more than others. And this is for a site called Career Builder, which is like a job finder site. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say... We did we did ca- uh, include this great catch because it was on our show sheet and we just ran out of time. Oh yeah, that one I think we it went it went pretty long. So do you want me to hit play on this or are we setting it up? Let me set it up because I'm not sure you can totally tell from the audio what's happening. It's a regular sort of office, uh, you know, white collar office. Um, but the hero is a human and everybody else is a chimpanzee. Oh, I remember this one. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, we see that through his eyes of like having to negotiate and navigate his working day with a bunch of just you know, raving chimps who are throwing their own poop and they both act like chimps, but also like frat guys. Right. And, and the point being, y- this, guy is, this guy is miserable at work. You need a new job. Let's see if there's any uh, useful audio here. You go to New York with those guys? No, they're, they're all business. Practice bag yourself, sir. Is yes, the odd couple music? I think so. Okay, that is not, not mine. <laughs> Ron, poison ivy shampoo just does not sound like a winner to me. Uh, He's got a kick me back, uh, kick me sign on his back. Now they're at a strip club. See, like, causing you sleep. They, yeah. they both act like chimps, but also just like very bad people. Yeah, it looks like at one point, like they, it looks like the the chimp replaced his toothpaste with some other cream or something like that. Right. Yeah. So just a bunch of a bunch of pranksters. So the point is the worst of get both of chimps this. and people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Go check out Career Builder. But anyway, I wanted to include that one because I, I think it is a great example of. Uh, using the office to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, that one is a product that is specifically kind of an office product. Yeah, it would be like, it would be hard to imagine where else you would set that commercial. Right, right. But I thought the, the chimp uh, riff was pretty funny. Um, this, so our next one's from listener Holly. Uh, she writes, and I love this story. So, Holly, thank you, thank you. Uh, on an episode of Paul F. Tompkins, and if, for those of you who don't know Paul F. Tompkins, uh, another Mr. Show alum, uh, very funny guy. On his podcast, uh, Spontanea Nation, uh, Paul is interviewing the dude uh, from the I'm Never Letting Go State Farm commercials, and I looked it up. His name is Ryan Gall. 
Uh, And she writes, I loved hearing Paul F. Tompkins have the same complaint as my favorite commercial-loving, puttering-assisting podcast host. (laughs) That's me. So this is so great. He's talking about me. Yes. Uh, So what you'll hear is Paul introducing um, Ryan Gall, and and he's going to talk about how he, Paul Paul F. Tompkins, interpreted that commercial. (laughs) You have been in a lot of commercials. Uh, I've been in some commercials. You've been in a lot of commercials. There's a bunch that are airing right now. No, that's not true, Paul. <laughs> I've seen at least two. Well, there's one where you're the guy who's like, I'm not doing any of these things, and then you end up doing all of the things. <laughs> Leading one. Okay, here's the, here, let me let me break down this commercial. He's like, let, we're, I'm never getting married. Right. Then he gets married. I then he am. says to the wife, I'm never having kids. Then they have kids. He's like, okay, but no more kids. I'm going to have more kids than you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she says, right? I'm going to have more yeah. kids than you? I'm going to have more kids than you. Then we're never moving to the suburbs. Uh-huh. They move to the I suburbs. It's implied. I'm never getting a minivan. Yep. They get a minivan. Mm-hmm. Then at the very end, he goes, I'm never letting go. End of the commercial. What else am I supposed to think but that this guy abandons his family? Yeah. I do. I do. There should be a sequel to this commercial where it's the wife all by herself with the kids, like, just frustrated and, like, so burnt out. She's, like, trying to go out on a date for the first time since... Yeah. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate on the internet about that commercial. People are really upset about that. That's weird. Where did you say... There's like forums and so people, my friends are like, people hate you, man. And like send me an email and they're like, look, they hate you. People hate you. You think it's great, but they hate you. And it'll be like mothers being like, this is awful. This is an awful commercial. At the end, he clearly leaves and like bangs his secretary. What? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Do you think it's that's like- classic State Farm? <laughs> <laughs> So not only is Paul F. Tompkins kind of uh, pick up on that. <laughs> Even the Appar- guy. Yeah, but I mean, apparently there really are people like I'm, I am not the only well, one. Well, I assume we're the forums that they're talking about. Oh, that is true. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure that we were mentioned. Call in us Spontanea Paul. Nation. Oh, man. That guy, I mean, he doesn't say no to being on podcasts, right? I mean. Uh, I, bet we could, I bet we could test that theory. <laughs> He's on every, like right now, if you listen closely, you can just hear Paul, like in the air, you can just hear him being on somebody's podcast. Yeah, right it's now. just that there are a million and one podcasts in line in front of us. I know. All right. Um, oh, before we move off of that uh, never uh, never letting go uh, commercial, uh, listener Scott uh, posted something to our Facebook page that I thought was pretty both funny but also dark. And it's called the, and I put this heavily in quotes, extended version of the uh, never letting go commercial. So what you're going to hear is the never letting go commercial. And then at the end, it takes a turn. I am never getting married. Never. Guaranteed. You picked a beautiful ring. Thank you. We're never having kids. Hello, the air. We are never moving to the suburbs. We are never getting one of those. We're never having another kid. I'm pregnant. I'm never letting go. I gotta go. No! <laughs> 
It's so dark at the it end. It does, and they could have show some images um, like of the. I guess they just took them from other uh, commercials or whatever. Maybe clips from that same commercial, and they put them in reverse. But like, you see the car backing down the driveway. It looks like the woman is crying, a, and um, somebody a, is a child is screaming, "Daddy, take me with you!" <laughs> That's really great. See, there are dozens of there us. There are dozens of us. Thank you, Scott. That was great. I had not seen that. Um, all right, moving off of State Farm. Um, this is from listener John. And I think this is just one that uh, I don't know this really, that this really responds to anything that we've talked about precisely, but he, this is something he liked. He says, this may be the funniest 30-second spot I have ever seen. I did my first genuine spit take at the end. I hadn't seen the movie, and the movie's talking about his Deadpool, when mm. I saw this, but have since. So I didn't realize how it fit in with the gestalt of the movie. Uh, but having seen it doesn't diminish the perfection of the ad. And I actually think that maybe I just include this because I really appreciate anyone who uses the word gestalt. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We um, have a little expression in this house. You don't you don't have to use your <laughs> gestalt to work here, but it helps. We do have that thing. Let's not explain why we no. think that's so funny. Um, so anyway, this is a... So I have not seen Deadpool, but I have to honestly say that um, uh, John's kind of endorsement of the movie and this commercial... Makes me a little curious to see it. I, I kind of av- deliberately avoided this this superhero movie. Yeah, Deadpool did not seem like he, I don't anything know. that like kind of. It's so funny because I talk about uh, like I like podcasts and any kind of live radio where you break down the fourth wall. We do that a lot, et cetera, et cetera. Yet here's a movie that like literally breaks down the fourth wall by having the character talk directly to the audience. I hate that. I hate it so much. Well, anyway, this is a commercial for the DVD release of Deadpool. Um, but it's shot and recorded in the same style as a C- as those Cialis ads, where it's mm. all about, um, you know, like it, it's it's just a couple doing like weekendy things together, and then they end by sitting in a bathtub. And a, a warning for our more sensitive listeners: um, this does acknowledge the existence of erections. Oh man, somebody's been taking their cues from Ira Glass. Yes, you're closer now than ever. Deadpool on Blu-ray helps you be ready anytime. <laughs> Ask your doctor if your heart is healthy enough for Deadpool on Blu-ray. If you experience joint pain, easy bruising, vomiting, or clay-colored stool, stop watching Deadpool immediately. If you experience hair loss, skin sores, and irritability, you may actually be Deadpool. And if you experience <laughs> an erection lasting longer than four hours, you're welcome. On Blu-ray and DVD. I got to say, I don't want to necessarily want to see that movie. And for those of you who think that I'm just saying I hate any kind of movie or TV show where you talk to the camera, that's not exactly what I meant. I just found most of the commercials for this um, for this particular movie seemed – he talks to the camera and he seems annoying to me. But again, I haven't seen much of it. Maybe I should watch it. I'm sure some, some of our listeners absolutely love it. Um, Despite me not liking the commercials where they just show clips from the movie and he's talking to the camera and being cheeky and then blowing something up or whatever the hell, I think that the DVD slash Blu-ray commercials were really good because – and we talked a little bit when Kat was a guest on our show about the idea of not just making little mini trailers by making montages of scenes but actually recutting new footage, reimagining it, mm-hmm. and inviting people into the movie that way. I think – it, yeah, totally true. And, you know, and, that, and that's what Kat was doing with the Adult Swim stuff or like the kind of the, – the, the partnerships, the marketing partnerships between movies that uh, the commercials air on Adult Swim and, and, and they kind of tear down those walls a little bit. And I think Deadpool – uh, did that really well, and uh, my guess is we're going to start to see more of that, right? Like new original footage marketing for movies. I think so. I mean, 
I, in the same way that I think so much good television is being made right now, I think some of the same creative energy. I mean, look, I, I wanted to start doing a podcast about commercials. If I thought they were a dying medium uh, or a medium mm-hmm. that was stagnating, I probably wouldn't have volunteered to do that. But I think mm-hmm. there is interesting stuff happening um, in lots of different kinds of marketing. Uh, so anyway, thank you, John. That was, uh, that was really great to see. Um, so moving on from listener Noah, uh, if you recall last week, Andrew, we talked about, uh, actors who got their start in commercials and I was, um, you know, a little hot under the collar for young Brian Cranston. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. Um, he was looking good. He was looking good. And I was curious how he actually got his, uh, role as Walter White on Breaking Bad, given that so many of his previous roles or the roles that we know him best for were really comedic. Yeah. And, and not just Malcolm comedic, in the middle. but Malcolm in the Middle, Tim Watley, but like, you know, particularly Malcolm in the Middle's dad was like so uh, just complete goofball, uh, you know, the opposite of competent in every way. I mean, imagine, you know, I, there is the, if there is an anti-Walter White, I think it might be Hal, hmm. the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. So anyway, I was curious about that. Uh, Listener Noah sent this in. He said, uh, Vince Gilligan said in an interview that he had worked with Brian Cranston on an episode of The X-Files and had been impressed. And he said he was surprised when he saw him being comedic, actually, on on Malcolm in the Middle. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. Mm. And I I watched The X-Files, but not super religiously. And even if I, you know, I don't remember this episode, but even if I did, I wouldn't have remembered it was Brian Cranston. But why don't you play this little clip that we have? This is Brian Cranston. So the episode description is, a man infected with a deadly pathogen climbs into Mulder's car and tells him to keep the vehicle moving. So this is him sitting in the backseat of Mulder's car. I am not sick and I do not have the flu. Vicky and me were just some kind of government guinea pigs. You think the government did this to you? Hell yeah, who else? You see it all the time on the TV. So, Mm. I mean, it's very different scenario right but like can you see why can you see the germ of like a walter white kind of character yeah, in there? I mean, yeah. he's so desperate and sweaty now this is probably the most ignorant question in the world but vince gilligan he wasn't the showrunner for the x-files was he, he do like we don't know I bet that he just i don't okay somebody can correct me if i'm wrong my guess would be and i should have looked this up was that he was just a director of one of them that, or, or maybe a handful or whatever like he's yeah. not he's not i my guess is he wasn't um, like linked in everybody's mind to the X Files before. I don't think uh, so. Okay, I, I will, because that's the type of thing that maybe everybody knew. Or maybe <laughs> he was didn't. maybe he was a, a writer or had some other role. Yeah. But he's not. He wasn't the creator of the X Files. Okay. I can't. The person who is is escaping my mind at the moment. Yes, as a matter of fact. Well, it's not worth mentioning because I can't remember. Uh, I think it might have been here and now. There was a public radio show with Vince Gilligan, I think, and that's right. I think he got a couple of scripts in. Um, it wasn't looking good, and it was during a time in his career where he really needed kind of some injection, and he he was very young, and I think he got a couple of scripts of X-Files, so I think that started to build his career. I'm starting to think that that's... That's the reality. <laughs> well, I'm glad, he, I'm glad he did because what would what would Breaking Bad be without Brian Cranston? Right, right like, of course, yeah. You know, uh, the for want of a nail, yeah. the, shoe, the shoe was lost. All right, moving on. Um, this is from listener Catherine, and this is uh, in responding to our show about uh, suburbia and suburban-type products that oh, really yeah. speak to that desire for... Uh, 
that perfect life. The glow-in-the-dark toilet seats. <laughs> your glow-in-the-dark toilet seats, your twitching fishing lures, right. what have your you. Your hoses that crinkle up. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because the X hose is that, that's the hose that like it, it crinkles up really small and light, but then it, it expands with water. And it is the one product that I think you and I, because we actually live in a house where we do use hoses, where we've sort of thought like, oh, that might be nice. Yeah. But fair warning, Catherine, Catherine writes, I was actually working in the yard planting some flowers when I was listening to the After These Messages Suburbia edition. We have, and had more on that later, an X-hose because our yard and garage is pretty crowded and it's easy to fold up and put away. It does exactly what it's supposed to do until it fails like an artery in an unhealthy vascular system. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. And I've read other reviews that say basically like these things are just, they're, they're great, they're great, they're great, they're pieces of shit. She goes on, uh, basically, it's a tough fabric exterior that contains a thin, expandable plastic tube. With no water pressure, the plastic withers and forces remaining water out. And the whole shebang shrivels into a lightweight pile. Turn the water on with some, uh, some sort of head, and the plastic part fills up, expanding to right up to the fabric barrier. But then the barrier is breached, and the strained plastic tube bulches out until it bursts, which sounds like a hernia. Yeah. So apparently, these things are very hernia-prone. Uh, she goes on, luckily they are warrantied and we never had any trouble returning it. We would oh. just show up with the husk of the hose and pick up a new one. Until last weekend, our hardware store isn't allowed to sell anymore because the hassle of sending those bad boys back was too much to bear. <laughs> we had to get a pocket hose instead. Yes, there is a selection of compressible hoses. So I'm sure pocket hose is on its way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. There was a, a boy at um, uh, Cub Scout camp we called pocket hose, but it sounds like that was a totally different... That's terrible. It was a terrible joke or it was gross? Both. Uh, so anyway, li- Kat, listener Catherine, thank you. Uh, although you've dashed my dreams of getting a compressible hose. Unless, no. <laughs> However, how's your gator grip? <laughs> you know, if I knew where it was. Can I just, this is one thing I didn't tell people last time that I want people to know. So the only like as seen on TV thing I've ever purchased was the gator grip. And I got that for you. I didn't order it off the TV. I went and I looked for it. This is... Years ago, very near. It's not our first Christmas together, but it's probably our second or third or something like that. We're pretty new dating, relatively speaking. And uh, I got you the Gator Grip. For those who don't know, it's basically, I don't even know if it's a whole wrench or if it's just the the adapter that you put on the end of the, the wrench. Um, it's a sprocket. Uh, what do you call it? A sprocket wrench? Is that what you call the kind of wrenches that go click, click, click? Click, 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 click. Um, no, it's not sprockets. I can't remember the name of that. This is the time on sprockets when we dons. <laughs> um, uh, socket wrench. Socket wrench. That's what those is things that are called. Is that the kind that hitches? Yeah, because uh, the, the nut goes into the socket. And anyway, so the gator grip is a version of that that will fit on any bolt or nut because you don't you don't need a you don't need a whole toolbox full of the adapters based on whether or not it's a quarter inch or essentially three has pins an and it has a pin, bunch of pins. The pins are spring loaded and it fits around any shaped nut or bolt or whatever. Right, and you, and then you just need one adapter for your socket wrench. Although I was very charmed by the idea of that, and I am handy, and I. I often want to do home improvement projects. I don't always have one to hand. Right. And so when I got the gator grip, what I'm getting at. I just ran around the house looking for something to gator grip, and I eventually found nothing to gator grip besides the light switch. That's exactly like that is that is like just burned into my brain the <laughs> image of you just like you were literally like a children a child on Christmas, only you're an adult on Christmas, and you took it, you ran around the house once you did the intro, then you're just like I, I I come in and you're just like you've kind of you've got it applied to the light switch, just kind of seeing uh seeing if you get a little torque on there i found one exactly one use in 15 years for that gator grip do you want to know what it was 
Okay. When I lived in a, this shitty apartment in uh, East Somerville, Mass., we had these like dorm dormer windows that like cranked open, and we oh, yeah, and it came yes. with the crank. I remember that we somehow and like they were sort of like it set in the roof, kind mm-hmm. of like in our our gable yep. roof. And I lost, or my roommate lost the crank that cranks the window, so you couldn't open them. Guess what opened? That's it? right. I remember that now. Gator grip. That was a cool bedroom. Had the <laughs> slanted ceilings on the roof. All right. Enough. Of, enough of us going down memory lane. What else we got? Um, we have. There was a quite a, a an investigation launched in the humble brag versus backdoor brag um, charges oh, that, that really? our friend Kat Solon raised. Um, if you recall. Um, humble brags, most people know what they are, kind of like sneaking in, like in a, in a self-deprecating comment, uh, somehow underscoring like some positive trait about yourself. And in 30 Rock, uh, that, that idea was described as a backdoor brag. Right. It's just, it was just a joke on an episode of 30 Rock, which then got repurposed as a commercial that's airing right now. And it drives Kat crazy. She's like... This is an example of writers not really quite understanding it or not wanting to use humble brag. And we were like, well, uh, it was really a joke from 30 Rock. And 30 Rock always had like kind of different names for things and then taking that joke and making it a commercial. So that's what our argument was. Yeah. And and actually, Kat wrote back and said she had no idea it was actually from the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she says, I think it annoyed me more in the ad than it would have in the show. Now I like it. Okay. And she... Concludes, God damn it. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, and a, a, a couple of people wrote in about this, and I want to make sure we, we uh, recognize them all. Uh, listeners Ben and Levi uh, both wrote in to say that um, that 30 Rock episode is from 2008, mm-hmm. but the coinage of humble brag is actually from 2010, oh. and the person who coined it is Harris Whittles. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, in fact, he's quite well known for having coined that This is that so phrase. much more interesting than I'd have ever thought. Yeah, so um, uh, Harris Whittles, for those who don't know, was a writer and a comedian um, who he wrote for, for um, not 30 Rock, actually, although I checked to see if he maybe he had. He Community? Wrote, no, it was Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, okay. He was really good friends with like Aziz Ansari and all the Parks and Rec people, mm-hmm. and like they dedicated one of their last shows to him. And and um, the the tragedy is that he was um, he struggled with addiction, and although he, I think he got clean for a while, he ended up dying of an OD, and it was it was really sad. I mean, a lot of and I think we were living in LA at the time, and it was not that you know we ran in like super high flying comedic circles, but we just, you know, it's like, it's, it was very real for a lot of the people that we, we knew and kind of the community and Mm -hmm. the the comedy community there. And it was really sad. Um, so anyway, Harris Whittles actually, um, coined the phrase humble brag on Twitter. Uh, he wrote for Grantland on the subject, um, and about notable humble brags and called it the act of boasting about one's life and then downplaying it. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, or it led to a book called Humble Brag, The Art of False Modesty, published in 2012. Um, and it was later designated the most useful word of 2011 by the American Dialect Society. So it, it's had quite of a storied history um, in its so, short life. I was thinking that he must have written on some um, 
occasional 30 rock shows and maybe uh maybe backdoor brag he wrote into an episode but we're not going that far and a quick internet search does not back me up on that no humble brag post dated uh backdoor brag by several by three years and they were totally unrelated oh okay because you know i mean 30 i don't know exactly what the relationship is but there is a relationship between 30 rock and parks and rec right wasn't it some producers and, and writers i'm sure there's some they're some very they have a kind dna of a, there yeah. but but this is not related to that oh, oh and i think i'm thinking the office actually oh, okay yeah, anyway uh anyway thank you to listener elena who sent in the the note about harris whittles being the coiner of the that's really interesting term. okay gotcha gotcha um so uh all right uh one more one more email and this is also from kat who after she wrote in to say uh that she had did not know that the the backdoor brag was actually a callback to the actual show um she also wrote in separately um, I don't know if you recall, but last week she said she, I read that she was going to rematch the Camel Hump Day ad, the Geico Hump mm-hmm. Day ad for me. And I was very impressed because I thought, like, rematch, that's going to be amazing. I don't even know what that means. Because your whole thing was like you, you, you had thrown a comment out there saying that the Hump Day ad with the camel walking through the office, you're just impressed with how like, realistic that is. It looks so that, real. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there was going to be like a special process whereby an expert rematches it somehow no it was a typo she I was going to so. rewatch it yeah I, was I, I had a feeling but she says she's going to rematch it now and then she did by the way cat can never stop listening to this podcast we've dedicated the show to she her she basically is like a third of the content do we have to give point? her any kind of an associate <laughs> producer credit or something today why We're not just like kissing her ass yeah. and she's providing half the content uh, associate producer credit is what you give your best listeners instead of anything meaningful. I, I always think of that's a um, that's a kind of recurring joke in uh, what's the Mammoth film State, uh, Maine. State in Maine, and uh, they keep on saying you know somebody will do some favor to the production company trying to make a movie, and they just keep on saying I don't know, give them an associate producer credit. And I happen to be literally an associate producer for a public radio show at the time, and I found that as a as a real shot across the bow. Um, so anyway, she did she did go and rewatch it and do some thinking about it, which her thinking is so sophisticated with this that I think it should be termed something more like it should be called. We're going to call that. She rematched it. She rematched it. She yes. rematched. Thank so, you. Thank you, Kat, for rematching. Yeah, this thank commercial. you for your excellent rematching here. Um, and she writes, I'm not sure if this is true, but I'm guessing what they did for almost every shot is that they shot a real actor camel. Um, and that he likely actually wandered through the set and did this, did the main movements, uh, maybe even everything but the face. Uh, although the main body of the camel is so still that when the neck moves, they could have adjusted the neck a bit in post. Um, she says, I'm not sure what the rules with working with a camel actor are, but they could have shot the human actors separately and compo- composited the shots if they had to. Um, the vocal track was possibly pre-recorded. I'm guessing they had the spot boarded out and possibly the timing all planned. So they mm. knew ideally what the camel would be saying in each setup. I think they tracked his face somehow, then worked with 2D and 3D artists to make his eyes and mouth move perfectly. I'm thinking it was a ton of work and they probably needed more than a few 3D artists, but it was clearly worth it. Uh, the production company called Hungry Man that produced that commercial is really great. So excellent rematching. Man, I gotta get her back on the show. I know. Anytime, Cat. Open right. invitation. By the way, I know this isn't the show where we um where we name the episode at the end of it. That's the other podcast I work on. But can we just consider naming this show Ad Council to the Rematching? <laughs> I wanted to call it We Can Hear You Now. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, shall I hit the music? Hit the music. You can sell anything. 
you can sell anything. No joke, Veeves. Thank you for doing all the work and to the listeners for doing all the work this week. I had, I really yeah, the had, listeners really did all the work. I had tons of fun. This was really great. I love these shows. You guys, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You, the things you send in are always uh, fun and entertaining and educational. And I learn, I learn more from you than I ever do from just random Googling of, of commercials. Yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, we can't wait to hear more from you. I'm sorry we didn't have time to get any voicemails today, but if you do want to send us another voicemail, the voicemail number is 607-444-5597. 607-444-5597. You know, just if you have a thought and you just want to send us something, you don't have to overthink it. Um, if that's easier for... I'm, I'm more of a talker than a typer. I think is when I want to send an email, then I start getting in my head and I want it to be perfect, so I think about my words too much and clearly when i open my mouth i don't think about my words at all so anyway if you're like me 607-444-5597 want to give out the email again just in case it's after these messages show at gmail it's after these messages show on facebook our email uh and our voicemail numbers are at the top they're pinned to the top of our facebook page if you're ever looking for them and don't happen to have the the audio handy um, other than that, I think we'll uh, talk to you next week. Stop me. I burn headband, my eyes all droopy. I've gooey foodie, zoobies in my poopy.